their secret mountain lair somewhere in Colorado, this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Jason O'Dell and Rick Walker. Hey everyone, I'm Jason O'Dell and this is the Image Doctors Photography Podcast and as always, I've got Rick Walker with me. Just I, to change it up. Hey, Rick. Yeah, you completely. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, me sometimes like, yeah. we got to do these things. So like, okay. got to gotta do it a little differently sometimes. Um, so whatever. But here we are. Um, we are. But it's, uh, it's once again, it's good to be here. And I'm glad. Uh, hopefully, we're glad to have you with us today out there in listener land. And uh, we're going to talk about um, something that we've. We thought we talked about, but we haven't talked about in a long time, and that's architectural photography. Yeah. And this is something that both of us enjoy doing, and we do it fairly often. And I don't know. It's a, it's a fun topic. There are it, a lot of- I don't do it often enough, very but it's one of those things. It's a, it's a very accessible subject, and it's something that, for me personally, I want to do better with because I, 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 there's, there, I have much to learn, but- um, you know, it's a good one to play with. But before we go into that, um, you mentioned to me um, earlier um, today that uh, there's a new Fuji camera came out. So let's just mention that. Um, sure. Yeah, it's the, that one, Rick. it's the X-H2S and it, it will be their highest end um, APS-C sized body, you know, their X-mount cameras. It's It follows the same pattern as many of the other cameras that we've talked about recently where it's got a stack sensor that enables you to use electronic shutter for just about everything along with very high frame rates. Uh, it's got, you know, a bunch of sub subject recognition modes in it. Like, you know, a lot of the other cameras that we've talked about. Um, and again, this is intended to be kind of a hybrid camera video and, and still photography. So it, it doesn't have that classic set of controls like the shutter speed knob on the top or the ISO dial, like you find in the XT series. Um, you know, it's the user interface that you find on cameras like the GFX one I have and stuff. Both are good, just different, um, but, but nice if you're doing video, I think. But it looks like a nice camera. Yeah. I don't have plans of getting one, but um, it's, it looks like very nice, a very nice camera for people who use the, the Fuji system. Yeah. And it's got things like, you know, 4k at 120p. So it's 120 frames progressive, you know, video for those. Mm -hmm. well, these cameras are good for that because, you know, mirrorless, you know, whether it, it means you can use them through the viewfinder to shoot video, that's never a bad thing. You know, unlike, um, DSLRs where you had to use live view and it could get really awkward, um, the ability to to use it. And I think they brought out some cinematic lenses, which are crazy expensive to go with the system, but um, that's that's not something that I have any expertise in. So I'm just going to mention here. it and just say they exist. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say is if, if someone is using the Fuji system and really likes that classic set of controls, just wait, there will be an X-T5 that probably has some of these same benefits, not as much video stuff, but many of the other attributes because i think this you know like we've talked about before the 
stack sensor, the subject recognition, all those things, that's going to be the new standard of any higher end camera coming out from now on. You know, let's say in that certainly the 2500 US dollar plus category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And then I'm sure it'll start coming down in the lineup, like lots of things. Well, but, we can always hope, but that's yeah. usually, that's usually a safe bet most of the time. Yeah. But it looks uh, like a nice camera. Yeah. Should be, sure. Should be really great. I've just been looking at the specs here at uh, B&H's website just to see what it does, but looks, looks nice. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we want to talk a little bit about the subject of architecture as a, su- the subject of architecture as a subject, um, <laughs> because I think it's something that that is maybe we could be redundant in a redundant yeah, fashion right the yes we were happy to work <laughs> with the the department of redundancy department um but we both like this but it's not generally something that we set out to do specifically at least not me i i, I will do a lot of architectural photography as a component of sort of urban or travel photography because that's usually one of the major subjects that you'll have when you're visiting um, a city, a town, a, you know, a location, it's finding some cool architecture. Um, at, at least for me, um, I don't, I don't necessarily say I'm going to, uh, you know, if I go to New York city, I'm not specifically sh- there to shoot architecture, but there's a lot of it there to shoot. So yeah, and it doesn't I, I, really matter. You no, know, it, it doesn't, but, it, but it fits in. And I think it's something that is, is really important to, to play with when you start talking about things like building up a, you know, making your travel portfolio, and I don't mean portfolio to show your work necessarily, but you know, your, your travel and vacation photos and having stuff, because a lot of times the architecture is a signature um, of, you know, wherever it was that you went, Um, you know, whether it's the empire state building or, the bean cloud gate sculpture in Chicago or, 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 or whatever, you know, the golden gate bridge, you mm-hmm. know, there, there's iconic architecture. Um, but let's talk about ways to kind of approach it because I think, um, you know, I think all too often we get stuck with thinking wide angle, right? Like, you know, get the whole building in the picture kind sure. of architectural photography and that's fine. Um, you know, I certainly don't have a problem with that. Um, but there's other ways to approach it too. You can approach the subjects um, more um, as details and and other elements and more graphical elements than just simply here's a building. Um, yeah, I think a, a good way of thinking about this is, while there certainly is a category of architectural photography where it's all about the actual architecture, and trying to illustrate that architecture, like you might for an architectural book or magazine. There's also the idea that you were kind of hinting at where you use it as a means of getting interesting and cool photographs, but you may not never actually reveal the whole building or even significant portions. You could do the whole thing with little details and highlights and it would still be lots of fun and productive. Exactly. So, yeah. Now, um, we, you know, how you want to break this down is our, our topics. Um, I think one of the traditional challenges um, with 
let's just start with the simple. I'm going to go photograph, you know, buildings for the sake mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the traditional, you know, you're on a street somewhere. Most of the time you're talking wide angle lenses, some cases, very wide angle lenses. Um, and that has some pitfalls, right. With, with perspective and, 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 uh, you know, tilt and that kind of you know, buildings looking like they're tipping back from you lines that are converging and not, not parallel. Um, sometimes that's fine. Uh, cause it, it can sometimes be it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's a creative thing. You know, you get that perspective, you makes it look taller, you know, looking up at the skyscraper kind of, kind of shot. Um, but you know, one, one thing that's, that's very nice about being, you know, a 21st century digital photographer is there's lots of ways to actually fix this that don't require specialized gear. You know, 30 years ago, if you were going to be an architectural photographer, you probably went out and bought a tilt shift lens, right? Mm-hmm. You know, at the very like least a tilt, I mean, a shift lens. Yeah. You know, so um, because that gave you a way to, you know, mechanically, optically bend the lines and make, make them, you know, fix the perspective uh, uh, distortion or not the distortion, but the perspective uh, from, from your lens. And those lenses were kind of a pain to use. They're very big and they're very, typically very expensive um and and so they're not the kind of thing that you'd really want to use walking around doing casual urban photography for example where architecture is simply a component of what you might be out photographing that day right you know if you were hardcore into into you know documenting architecture it might be a different different story but nowadays you can do a lot of this stuff um to fix perspective uh, in post, right? Yeah. Especially with, um, when you combine it with a higher resolution camera where you can do slightly more extensive corrections and, you know, that always requires cropping in a little bit. So, you you know, the more resolution you have, the better off you are, Mm -hmm. but, you know, like in Lightroom, like we both use, if, if someone hasn't used the transform, panel in there and just tried the autocorrect boy you sure should because that that is a wonderful tool and it, and it does a great job because it, you know it'll look for the lines that you want to have corrected and and what's really good about it and this because this is a typical pitfall that some people fall into is it doesn't overcorrect them mm-hmm. it leaves them just a, right. sh- a little bit short of fully corrected which is usually what you want yeah because naturally- otherwise things Otherwise, things look weird. Yeah, it's like naturally, the top of the building should be farther away from you, and it should yes. look more, you know, than than if you made the lines perfectly parallel. Although for other things, doorways and stuff like that, it works. It works. That can be different. Yeah. Absolutely great. I, I guess if um and and it was something we touched on in an earlier episode when we talked about you know correction tools, but you do want to frame loosely. You want to compose it loosely um, because these perspective tools, if you do use them in post they're going to crop your image and yeah. sometimes they can crop in too, too much and you'll end up with something that, that isn't right. I do find, um, agree with you that the auto correction option in, in the uh, Lightroom panel and the transform panel often works very nice. It's just, it's easy. It doesn't, it's not a hundred percent success, but it, no, but, but it I, I would give it the rock star label still. It's, it's very, it's just very, good. really, really good. And then, of course, there's other other utilities that are out there that you can use. Um, you know, Nick Perspective Effects, if you want to do that. But we kind of prefer doing it directly 
while still in the raw environment, right? Um, yeah. Do the correction. So that that's you know that's a technical thing. Let let's get a little bit more creative then, because architectural photography is a lot more than just taking pictures of buildings, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And and we talked a little bit about it, but it can be small details in the buildings, like doorways, doorknobs. Mm-hmm. Um, our well, doorways are great. Windows. Yeah, I mean, there's so so many elements to it. Some with some of the uh, older buildings, you can you know find gargoyles on them mm-hmm. and other interesting little things um, that can make for fun shots. You know that kind of give you a sense of the overall architecture without showing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just some of the personality that the architect put into the building. Right, um, lines, converging lines. Um, and then, you know, light and shadow, yeah, can be extremely good. So if you if you're at somewhere, and this you could even get get away with this kind of in almost middle of the day shooting, just depending on how the light is working. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it works well for that. And one thing I think we both like, especially when we're doing travel photography or you know when we're in a a town, is looking for reflections. They're fun. They're, they're, and, and these can be reflections of other buildings in a building. And mm-hmm. I did that. Um, one, one great place where I did that was um, uh, if you ever go to Chicago, you can take the Chicago River Architectural Boat Tour. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend. I mean, I, I did it as part of a workshop way, way back when, several years ago. Um, and we were on the boat, right? And so having a, an all around telephotos, like a 28 to 300 or something like that. So many shots were just, cause this is middle of the day. So many shots were great reflections of other buildings in the windows and the, and the distortions Mm -hmm. that you get. Um, Lots of fun. And and another one that I learned. And and I will say Chicago is an absolutely awesome place to do architectural photography. Oh gosh. Yeah. There's so much. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that I like to do with the reflection theme, and you can do this in downtown areas is find yourself a clean black car that's parked on the side of the, of the street, you know, parked on Mm -hmm. the curb and you can get buildings and things and other storefronts reflected in the car hood and that black, and you just expose it. Right. And it can be, it can be really wild too. It, you, you, don't want people to think you're casing their car but (laughs) you know it's how do puddles of water puddles of water that's another great you know i i've got a shot of the empire state building in a puddle you know and it Mm -hmm. worked nicely you know right so these are all good things and they don't have to be big they can be tiny as long as you get close you know which is one of the fun little tricks right um, so that's, that's a great way of approaching these, you know, looking for patterns, looking for lines, looking for light and shadow and reflections. This is a, a very fun way to approach architectural photography, because I think if you don't do that and you're just looking for the wide shot, you're going to quickly just get frustrated. Um, and you'll just because you won't have the vantage point. That, yeah. And they'll, a lot of shots will feel similar. Mm-hmm. You know, there won't be a lot of variety. Obviously, you can do both black and white in color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it's especially true for this kind of work. Black and white can be a, a wonderful way of simpling, simplifying the, the composition. And because um, if color's not adding things to your shot, take it out. It's usually going to be stronger. Totally agree. 
Um, and and one other element, um, I think, to sort of break the stereotype, uh, most of the time, if you think architecture, again, you're thinking about exterior shots. But what about interiors? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff you can find inside stairwells and and art and chandeliers and things on ceiling decor or very interesting um uh you know just objects and art inside of buildings yeah and then there's the whole category that we won't get into in a big way but interior photography like what is often done for um real estate and things like that it's it's a branch of architectural photography and it's got its own special needs that's definitely where you need pretty wide lenses you might use some HDR or exposure mm-hmm. blending techniques and stuff, but you know, that's a special category too. Right. Another special category that I know we both like a lot. In fact, we have plans to do a little bit of it here in the next few weeks is where you get into urban or rural decay. Yes. Older, decrepit buildings. They don't have to be big, elaborate ones done by a famous architect. They can be little shacks, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff. And this can be tremendous fun to, to feed art graffiti. Yeah. I like street art, but that's but just art. even the actual structures. But yeah. The, portions of them too. Mm-hmm. And again, those work really well more often as close-ups than they mm-hmm. do as wide shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. One reason why I like taking that longer approach, you know, using something like a mid range zoom, like something like a 24 to 120 can be perfect for this mm-hmm. type of shooting or even longer, but um, but that gets you in that zone is, is the idea that a lot of times, you know, it's midday, you know, shooting, you know, you're not always there early in the morning or late in the evening, although that's something else we'll mention in a second. But um, if you're doing tighter shots and you're looking for the st- stronger contrast of light and shadow, this is a great thing to do in the middle of the daytime. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you might be, and and this is applicable to times when you might be, you know, either traveling or visiting somewhere, you're, you're not really on a photography oriented, you know, outing, but there's stuff to take pictures of still. Yeah. And you can absolutely get good shots midday shooting those kinds of subjects. And especially if you consider using black and white, Mm -hmm. that's another great tool for the middle of the day. Now, you know, on the other hand, if you do want to set up with tripods and stuff like that. There's some wonderful things you can do if you get into twilight. Um, Because in urban areas, a lot of times buildings will be lit up um, either with incandescent or sometimes mercury vapor lamps produce the yellow or orange glow on things Mm -hmm. and contrast that with that deep blue sky that you get about 20 minutes after sunset. And I find for buildings, after sunset works better than before sunrise because buildings won't be lit up right. early in the morning. They will be lit up into the evening. So you're more likely to get, get that stuff. A technique that some people do, and I haven't done it, no good reason why, but it, they'll actually, uh, you know, a skyline is the classic example of it. They'll get a shot first during the blue hour, their tripod set up. And with the same framing, get a shot later after it's gone to a dark sky. And more importantly, the insides of the buildings are lit up mm, and then yeah. blend the two shots together. Sure. And, and that can be a nice effect and look. 
it, it's a little bit more complicated because you you can't be moving your camera around and right. pull that off. You've got to keep it in one spot. But it's like doing sky replacement with it. Yeah, you know, just like an hour difference between the shots, something like that. I like maybe even a half hour with uh, you know at twilight where the exposures are naturally longer, capturing um, car trailing lights from car headlights and taillights. That's that those can produce leading lines into your subjects. And in the middle of the day, you were mentioning skylines, but if you've got clouds, long exposures or stacked multiple exposures where you've got moving clouds, that can create an interesting effect as well. Mm -hmm. So we're going to practice some of these techniques, right? We're going to go back out and of course, um, but we're also going to take clients with us who want to learn these techniques and incorporate architecture. So two options to join us in the field. Um, first one is coming up at the end of September, really first weekend of October, right up the road in, from us in Denver. Mm -hmm. Super accessible, really easy shooting, and lots of good architecture and art, more so than you probably think. Um, yes. And we've done it before, so we know where to find a lot of these places. And we'll be able to do the twilight shooting as well as the middle of the day shooting and a lot of photo walk type type of excursions. So that's that's out there. And then a different kind of architecture entirely would be to join us down in Santa Fe and Taos, New Mexico, in yeah. later in October. Yeah, the same kinds of techniques and ideas apply that you know we've been talking about, and that apply to Denver, but completely different look and feel of the of the city. You know, you have all Adobe the structures. Adobe structures and Santa Fe and Taos both have special building codes where. Things have to adhere to one of several, you know, a small set of architectural styles. So it just creates a really cool look. Um, it's very organic and very different than than most places in the U.S. or elsewhere. So it's nice. Both are great. And we hope you can join us on one of our tours. If you need more information on those, you can just reach out to us on Facebook. We've also posted links to the registration pages. So um, you can uh, join us in the field because we'd love to, we love working with our, our listeners and our clients. It's, it's really fun for everybody. Yep. Okay. Um, well, if there's not anything else left to discuss this week, or if we left something out, don't forget, send us a note, facebook.com slash image doctors. And until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.